You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped is in the corner of the ring. Episode 41 of Not Another Least Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Brennan McCarthy on the mic. Yes, I know you're used to hearing Ken Stapon's angelic voice, but that's one guy who's going to be on his couch this weekend. As this weekend's UFC 261 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Ken, you owe me a six case of IPA because I nailed it in the first take. Six case, everybody. How does it come? (laughs) So what? Now, now, now you're multiplying the bet by six. (laughs) I said I would buy you a IPA. Oh, okay. If you you got it correctly, that now you're upping the bet sixfold. Also, Uh, like I would just like to say that you didn't say that it was brought to you by DraftKings before we started the read. So if we want to go on the technicality, uh, I think the listeners understand what the promotion is, though. Uh, Use promo code THPN. On sign up if you download DraftKings for exclusive offers. Okay, B-Mac, a minor blip. A minor a couple, blip. Yeah, it was it was solid throughout though. I thought a couple tough losses now in a row for Toronto, as you know we outlined the other one on Monday, where you know they lose the Canucks like the first game. Um, obviously now we understand that Zach Hyman is going to miss 
up to two weeks with an MCL sprain in his knee. And then last night, it didn't get any better for Toronto. They get absolutely waxed, as I like to say, by a, a lowly Canucks team who still doesn't have seemingly have the legs, in large part because of terrible goaltending from David Riddich. Yeah, I read a really, really glaring stat the other day, Kenny. Collectively, the Leafs goalies have posted an 840 save percentage since April the 10th. And clearly, clearly some trepidation in Leafland. I mean, Keith really didn't mince words post-game the other night against Vancouver. There is a seriously uh, bad goaltending issue right now in Toronto. And once your head coach starts to act a little wary and a little skeptical, then that's when worry starts to kick in because there's still no uh, you know, effective timeline to when Frederick Anderson is going to return. You'd hope before the end of the regular season. But now you're basically rolling with two backups whose confidence have both been shot, right? Frederick Anderson is not going to be coming back for this group before the end of the regular season. I'll tell you why. Because they can't fit him in. There's no cap space for Frederick Anderson right now. They added, when Anderson's on the LTIR, they were able to add and bring in players such as Nick Foligno, uh, whoever else, like we've gone through everybody that they added, uh, Hutton, all these players that they went and got at the deadline. They were able to do that because they put Frederick Anderson on the LTIR. If you bring Frederick Anderson back, then you need to free up $5 million in cap space. And where are you going to find that? You can't put a roster player through waivers that'll get snapped up. They're going to have to ride or die right now with David Riddich and Jack Campbell, and both those goaltenders need to figure it out. I'm confident that Campbell will. He's going through just a tough stretch here. Um, Riddich has just looked dreadful between the pipes since he came in, and they were talking about this on Overdrive the other day. Basically, Riddich was just another lottery ticket because he's a backup goaltender. He's played well at times in his career. I think a lot of the frustration from Toronto Maple Leafs fans are based off the fact that looking at Rich's stats when he played Toronto this year, he was in four four games. He ended up going 1-2-1 one, and one in those contests, but posted a 941 save percentage. 941, and now this guy can't stop the puck in the net for the Toronto Maple Leafs. There was a number of dreadful goals last night. I don't even want to go into specific details about them because they were all seemingly coming in on the left side wing. And then for whatever reason, he just couldn't read the puck. It was a complete disaster. And yes, this team, you were talking about how this team is going to need Freddie Anderson. And he's going to be the bona fide starter in game one. I would still think that likely that would still be Jack Campbell based off the fact that Anderson will not have played an NHL competition like in a game coming into the first game of the postseason, but my goodness, they need to figure something out because neither of these guys has been able to stop the puck over the team's five-game losing streak. No, it's been it's been horrible to watch, especially big save, well, apparently big save Dave, but he certainly didn't big Civ look Dave. like that. Big Civ Dave, man. I mean, it's weird because like he actually played some, he played well in, in the game against Calgary when he was traded like 12 hours prior, right? Yeah. And that's against your former team. And then, you know, you try to cut him some slack. He's like, it's it's weird to change teams in a unique season like this. But now it's like, okay, you're with the team now. Like, you're a Maple Leaf. And those are routine saves that you have to stop. Like, that looked like beer league play. Man, last night was bad. Yeah. There, there was one that was going wide of the net, and he kind of stuck his pad out there and deflected it between his own legs into the net. 
Like, I, I'm just like, what the hell are you doing out there? Like, uh, it was it was atrocious. a awful awful effort. There there was probably three goals last night that you could circle and be like, that was terrible. Yeah, I guess it was Tuesday to be specific because now we're recording this Thursday, April twenty second. Yeah, fair. But anyhow, yeah, yeah it's just it, it was just a total total disaster for Redditch. Uh, when I look at like what this team is going to need to do. Like, obviously, you just need to get some stops. Uh, like, they've been a little bit bitten by the injury bug. Uh, we mentioned Hyman confirmed he's going to miss at least two weeks with the sprained MCL. I think that's probably best case for this team. Because yeah. when I saw that surgically repaired knee, as you had mentioned in the last pod, as being the knee that ended up getting hit by Edler on that particular play, I was nervous and fearing the worst for Hyman. So two weeks for a sprain, not the worst news in the world. Bogosian ended up going flying into the boards the other day at top speed. So that wasn't really that great. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, also out. He basically showed up at practice, took a little lap, and then was off the ice. So all of a sudden, the left left wing depth on this team has been seriously, seriously hindered. And it couldn't... This addition of Nick Foligno to this roster couldn't come soon enough. Uh, from what I understand, he's expected to play, make his debut tonight against Winnipeg. It's interesting, too, and a bit of a predicament for Keefe and Dubas because all year it's been about, you know, shuffling the deck up front. But really, Kenny, the back end for the Leafs has pretty much remained intact all season. And now a bit of a blemish with Bogosian taking a nasty collision into the boards. But here's an opportunity for number 38, Rasmus Sandin to get some good playing time. I mean, really, I don't think, other than Bogosian now getting injured, their decor has been significantly battered. Like, they it's haven't been really missed... They, yeah, they, they haven't time. missed any game. Like, the, the, the six defensemen, they've rolled out pretty much consistently. So this is something they have to adjust as well, because before it was just kind of touching up and inserting guys to, to fill voids in the forward group. So if you lose Bogosian... Kind of a guy who was over, like not overlooked, because people just expected Bogosian type hockey. What what they got from you know Tampa Bay in, in this Cup run last year, but now that's a significant, significant blow, primarily because he plays almost always with a younger player like Dermot or Sandine, and and provides that that veteran leadership. And you know he, he's just obviously Zach Bogosian. He, he's a vet defenseman, so that's going to be a big blow as well. But like you said, Nick Foligno. Door, doors open, man, because now with Hyman out of the lineup, they're going to need that grit and also that pushback. I mean, two scenarios where, you know, the the hit on Hyman from Edler, that would have probably sparked something from Foligno, and the snow shower from Kachuk on, on Riddich, or Riddick, however we're going to pronounce yeah. it. That would have probably, guys would have looked to Foligno, and he would have done something about it. So it's a really, really good opportunity to see 71, and ideally tonight. There's a There's a lot of things that I want to unpack here. Uh, from what you said. First yeah. and foremost, I don't know how you wanted the team to react after Edler hit Hyman because Edler got kicked out of the game, so you aren't going to go after that player in particular unless you're going to go headhunting for a top player on the Canucks who's recovering from the coronavirus. Like, what, what response do you want? I know you're playing the I game. I don't know, like you some pushback and... next shift, man. I don't mean, like, immediately, so that would serve offsetting you know, misconducts or penalties, but, like, next shift, like, just throw, like, a, a hit or something. Like, show, like, we're not going to stand for that. You just beat up and took down arguably one of our best players in terms of, you know, the heartbeat of the team. There's got to be some response. 
Yeah, well, I just don't understand like what Maple dumb. Leaf. I just don't understand like what kind of like response necessarily everybody's talking about when they say that. Like, I thought the Maple Leafs dominated the play. I think that they have the skill to do that. They like if you want to talk about pushback, that's been something that people have long desired on this team and say that they're too soft and they can't play you know playoff style hockey because they don't have that inside them to push back. Well, they pushed back. I thought in that game by dominating the play. And basically, they got screwed by Braden Holpe. Like, it wasn't as if the hit happened and then the Maple Leafs just folded and the Canucks continued to run rampant over them and establish a strong forecheck and dominate possession. Toronto continued to dominate the play. As far as the Kachuk thing is concerned, you have a guy in the lineup in Scott Sabrin who is supposed to respond to stuff like that, and he basically broke his hand from what I expect fighting Milan Lucic. So you bring this guy into the lineup, now he's on the LTIR, for an undisclosed injury. You saw him icing his hand in the box. I figured that's probably what he's icing his hand for. So even the player that you would expect to go for a pushback against Kachuk has already been removed from the lineup or removed from his ability to give that sort of pushback that you're thinking about. As far as the defensive pairings are concerned, this is basically why he went out and got Ben Hutton. Yeah, Because I don't think that Sheldon Keefe is going to war with a third pairing of Travis Dermott and Rasmus Sandin. God, no. That's no offense to either player, but there isn't the size. There isn't any sort of physicality. Neither of them is necessarily overly strong in the defensive end. Sandin has been touted as more of a puck-moving defenseman. He's great at breaking it out, but he's not necessarily going to line up in front of the net and be able to you know, move some of these guys who entrench themselves right in front of there. Hutton has a little bit more size, so I would assume that he's going to get the right of way for the Maple Leafs. We'll Hopefully see what Sheldon Keefe ends up doing. Yeah, yeah I don't know what his quarantine status is. I'd have to double-check, but I expect that he'll probably be filling that spot on the third pairing, likely. Uh, and as far as Felino is concerned, I, a big opportunity for him coming in, because basically with the left-wing depth depleted, he's going to have to play a bigger role immediately, but also a tough position for the player to be coming into, where the team is reeling a little bit right now. They've lost five straight. They're playing two against the Winnipeg Jets, who are the team that's closest to them in the Canadian division. And this is, are essentially, if they win them, they essentially lock up the division. If Toronto is able to beat Winnipeg in these two games, they'll be eight points free and clear of Winnipeg if they can beat them twice in regulation. And they have played well, but the Winnipeg captain also making his return tonight to the, to the lineup. Uh, Blake Wheeler expected to return after missing some time with concussion protocol for the Jets. So that will give them a little boost. It'll be interesting to see what the lineup ice tonight is, but I'm expecting to see uh, some more out of these guys a little bit lower in the lineup who have big opportunities. Sandine, I thought, has looked good. Robertson has been, um, he hasn't looked comfortable. We'll call it what it is. His possession metrics are bad. I thought the line the other night was pretty lackluster. I believe he was playing the majority of the time with Spezza and Brooks. Obviously, you know, Brooks also trying to make a, an impact on an NHL lineup, doesn't have a ton of experience. But they need to be better. The bottom six and the top six need to be better as well, for that matter. I don't want to put all the pressure on the bottom six of this lineup, but it's yeah. good because ultimately it's got to be Tavares, Nylander, Matthews, and Marner who are driving this team. Yeah, you'd assume so. But then we come back to the power play deficiencies, and it's just awful. been god awful. You know, you almost think that I, I'm pretty sure I brought this up on a previous pod, but all six other Canadian teams in the Scotia North, that is the primary focus of their practice and film sessions is locking down that power play because it seems that the Leafs can't buy a goal, 
but the, the opposing teams will just dr- draw it up like they did in practice, and suddenly yeah. it's in the back of the net. Well, that's a problem right now, certainly, for the Leafs, is that over the five-game losing streak, like that, their power play, I don't even want to get into the numbers on their power play. It's been awful. Yeah, you guys terrible. up. Like, I, I don't even want, like, I'd prefer to keep five guys on the ice at this point. Like, if the other team takes a penalty, it's like, no, no, just let him out of the box, and we'll play five on five. That's how atrocious <laughs> yeah, we'll probably score. the team, yeah, we're, we're more likely to score, or we'll put a guy in the box, and we're just as likely to score. Like, it's something ridiculous. I have it written down here, actually. In the last 19 games, the Maple Leafs have three goals on the power play. They also have three shorthanded goals. How does that make any sense? They're just they're scoring as many goals Baloney. with that, with a less one man less than they are with the extra man. Also, the penalty kill over the last stretch has been awful too. You know they've let the opposition convert on five out of ten opportunities over this five game losing streak. If you're letting the opposition convert at fifty percent on the power play, you're not going to win a lot of hockey games. I'll tell you that right now. It's it's, it's not going to happen. No. You're you're certainly not, and and one thing that is scary too. You look at basically the four lock teams in the Scotia North. I know you could say like Vancouver or Calgary could make a slight push, but there's an, a what a seven or eight point uh, cushion uh, between Montreal and Calgary. I believe right now Montreal won last night four three in regulation against the Oilers. But you know you look at Montreal, Winnipeg. They all have their ace, if you will. I've been covering a lot of baseball of late. Price Hellebuck. I mean, in Edmonton, you got Smith and Koskinen. It's a bit a bit wishy-washy yeah, there. Yeah, I don't have as much faith in those guys as the but other guys. But those teams, it's like, we're going to you, man. Carrie, we're going to you for game one. Like, right now, it's like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, you brought up a good point, too, with, with Fred. It's like, it's going to be really, really difficult, A, for his conditioning, and because he's on LTIR and they're going to have to free up five mil, it would be really tough playing. to slide him in for game one, though, man. It would be tough. But yeah. I think if this continues, the, the goalie issues, you might have to. You might just have to roll with it and be just, like, Fred, just, just toss go for him game cold. one. Go. Yeah, like this, we'll I can't watch this anymore. Yeah, it could <laughs> be the case. Night, it could be the case. I, I keep saying last night because I, I keep thinking it's Wednesday. It was Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. The other nights, the Leafs were up 3-2 to two with 13 minutes left in the game. Yep. And they've been able to close out that game a lot this season. One goal lead, 10 minutes left, and they just slammed the door on the opposition. Even just like, you know, put the kill shot in there by scoring another one late. And that's like, you have a two goal lead and you'd be able to kill it off. But like, then it was just like the floodgates opened for the goaltender. It was just terrible to watch. Like so frustrating for the team that's playing a good game in front of them. Cause then it's like, everything's going in and then the confidence goes between the ears and then you start thinking about it. And like, I was watching the replays on these goals, expecting to see it deflect off, you know, Justin Hall's stick or, yeah. That nope. They see, see something that I missed on the play to give him at least a little bit of credit, but they were just straight up wrist shots or slap shots are coming in with a clear view from far enough out that you should be able to handle that. And Absolutely. He, he wasn't he wasn't able to do it at all. It was, it was bizarre. I, it was, and that must feel good for Tanner Pearson, a guy, you know, who was a lot of trade rumors swirling around in Vancouver, seeing if he was going to get dealt. They keep him. He gets two goals albeit one uh, a beer league goal, something that Ross Levitan, friend of the show, would probably let in. But yeah, not He plays not... forward in beer league. I thought he I thought he was goalie like full time. He, 
he played goalie uh, for years when he was growing up, and then he's made the transition to forward. Okay, I feel like it's like helped him though. <laughs> no, I feel like it's helped him though. Yeah, he's got the little bit of uh, a little bit of snipes now because he knows where to shoot. That the goalie's going to have difficulty with it. He's got he's got the corner set set in stone. Yeah. yeah. Yikes! Just I, I, one thing I was I was feeling a little pit in my stomach too. It, imagine Riddick, Riddick, whatever that happened to him on home ice. Like you'd get like the the just relentless Leaf fans just booing him for every save. Like that that's one thing he would have been. They, they'd be cheering every he, time. Oh. Like they'd flip the puck in and he'd be able to handle it or something. Yeah, and he just would try and find like the biggest hole he could find to to curl up in and hide because that was just a a dreadful dreadful performance. Should we go to yeah. around the league? Yeah, I'm done talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> the Leafs and the Canucks for now. All right, so I had already mentioned that Wheeler will make his return against the Leafs tonight after missing time with the concussion courtesy of Brady Kachuk. Um, I just wanted to elaborate on a point that we were discussing in a prior pod with Ian Tulloch um, about Wheeler's defensive capabilities. Uh, basically, I looked it up this season, and Tulloch's right. This year, he's been dreadful 5-on-5 five five defensively for the Winnipeg Jets. They've been uh, basically outscored. 40 to 27, five on five, and he's minus 15 so far on the season. I know that plus minus isn't all it's cracked up to be anymore, and there's a lot of circumstances, but although traditionally he's been a better defensive forward in his career, this season his numbers have dropped off very substantially, and he's basically not even getting any defensive zone starts from Paul Maurice and the Winnipeg Jets. So I just wanted to bring that up. Ian Tulloch, you're right. Big shout out. Uh, Josh Anderson scores a pair as the Canadians hold on to split their series with the Oilers. Uh, your boy Kirill Kaprizov continues to dazzle in Minnesota. He scores his 19th of the season, passing, guess who, Marion Gabrick. Not bad company there for the most goals by a rookie in franchise history. And Vegas becomes the first team to clinch a Stanley Cup playoffs berth with their 5-2 win over the Sharks. Now, there was something that came out of Las Vegas that I wanted to discuss in further detail, and these were basically the comments from Rob and Leonard. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Leonard basically has suggested that in Las Vegas, a lot of the players there have been forced to take the vaccine under the pretense that if they took the vaccine, they would be able to make a more a, sort of a return to more regular day-to-day -day life. Yeah, yeah, normalcy, like maybe not necessarily be cooped up in the hotel rooms. Um, basically, the league has come out and said, that's not true. And Leonard put them on blast, basically calling, I don't know if he was directing at the organization or the NHL commissioner's office, they basically called them liars. Is really pissed off about it. What are your thoughts on Leonard's comments? He did end up breathing them back a little bit later, saying that it's basically just he's an advocate for mental health and everybody should be considering this a little bit more. But certainly potent words from the Vegas Golden Knights netminder. Absolutely, and I know with this topic, it's it's delicate, and I, I you know you're, you're walking on thin ice sometimes, but I, I respect Leonard for for coming out and 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 just you know voicing his opinion. Because so much times every day, it's just generic bullshit, really, from players giving us just wishy-washy sound bites. So good on Robin Leonard. Now, Devil's Advocate would say, you know, you're calling it a prison. He did tweet out later and apologize, saying it's not a prison because you're ultimately a, an NHL hockey player, okay? Like there's a ton, a ton of luxuries, amenities, 
and you know to to speak out like that and blast the league on a a random weekday in April some may be kind of like okay like was that needed like is there is there much to complain about but I understand I understand that the mental health aspect as well and he has been open about his struggles so I respect him for that but at some point it's like well it might it might have been a little ill-timed and maybe it was a bit of an overreaction calling it a prison because I, I I'm sure the league is just trying to do what they can to just get through this unique season right I think the risk you run as well is that it can come across as tone deaf when yeah. pro athletes sort of say this sort of stuff. And I'm not saying that that's fair because obviously they're the ones traveling. They're the ones cooped up in their hotel rooms, not right. able really to leave. They're the ones that aren't even allowed to play a hand of cards with their teammates unless it's over Zoom because of the restrictions that the NHL puts in place. Now, what I mean when I say it's tone deaf is that the general public doesn't really have a whole lot of stomach for someone who's making $5 million a year saying that they're feeling like it's a prison or that they're in this terrible, terrible situation when, you know, people have been out of work for the last year or relying on government subsidies and wondering how to support their families or how they're going to be able to support their families. So I feel like in that aspect, it comes across as a little bit tone deaf. Um, I also understand that when we look at what the league is trying to do or they're trying to keep it even, right? And it's not really fair if teams in specific states or who have a, more access to get vaccinated earlier on then have a different set of rules from teams who are in different states. And that's something that we're going to have to deal with probably for the rest of the season, as especially in Canada, as the rollout of vaccines is much more prominent in the states right now than it is in Canada. Uh, it's a tricky situation, and I do believe probably that there was a conversation had with somebody, I don't know who, that the it was insinuated at the very least that by taking a vaccine, it would help return to a state of normalcy. Right, and as you said, everyone, everyone it, is going through this. It, it's, a, it's a global pandemic. So yeah. like you said, if, if I'm a 9-to-5 or sitting down, after my retail or restaurant job, or I guess not restaurant, if I'm Uber, Uber eating or something or something yeah, that yeah, doesn't, you, you, you got fired from your job and then work. you're delivering yeah. Uber eats yeah. instead. You're not going to have a lot of sympathy like, for Leonard saying that he's in a prison. Yeah. It's like, okay, wait a minute. You're making five million a year and your team rattled off eight straight and are the first team to clinch a playoff spot this year, like ill-timed, but that's, yeah. that's devil's advocate, right? So yeah, it's just, it's just tone deaf. Is like what I think, and it was taken out of context, the comments. I'm backing what he's supporting, which is mental health for the players. It's been a really difficult year for them, but we also have to understand that it's been a difficult year for everybody. And yep. you have to be careful the way that you put it, because I know up here in Toronto, people are at the end of their rope with the way that the government's had it, and there's so much pandemic fatigue. I can only imagine that's like that as well in the States, uh, that everybody's just feeling the burn right now. So, remains to see, and see how it plays out, but it's uh, obviously a difficult situation for players and uh, regular day-to-day people alike. I think uh, it's let's a perfect go to, time for a, a pint. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think so. Let's go to the bar. Crash that piece of shit, then 
Alright, BMAC, I've been rambling on about Robin Leonard for it seems like the last five minutes now. <laughs> so the floor is yours. Go ahead. I'm going to go with Julius Randle on the New York Knicks. They've won eight straight. And I mean, if you're a fan of the New York Knicks living in New York, you must be elated right now because the Knicks have just been historically bad. And they look like a mean, mean team that I would not want to play in the opening round. And Julius Randle dropped 40 last night. I think he's got to be MIP this year just for his play. And overall, the Knicks have been great. So many good pieces. Obviously, it took them a while to develop. R.J. Barrett, Canadian, and just a, a good bunch and a good coach, too, in Tom Thibodeau. I think the Knicks will be a, a problem in the playoffs, Kenny. Somebody pointed out, or one of the reporters, I should say, pointed out on the Raptors broadcast last night that all five teams of the Atlantic Division could make the playoffs this year in the NBA. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's preposterous. The whole division is in there. It's well, kind of it's unprecedented. I'll ask you this because you, you produce Raptors game night. Like a week ago, it was like tank, and then yesterday, it's like wait a minute, like playing possibility. Like w- which which direction are we heading here, Kenny? Like I don't, I don't see know it really possible to go to a, a play-in tournament. I thought this was a tank season. Well, I think that they were <laughs> trying to tank, but then unfortunately for the Raptors, even when they were sitting their starters, they kept winning games. Yeah, they once like, rattled it. off three straight without. <laughs> Like Lowry, Van Fleet, and Anobi Siakam, um, it was just a complete disaster of a tank job. Also, couple that with the fact that Chicago is going to be missing their best player, Zach Levine, for an extended period of time. They keep losing games. Uh, the Washington Wizards, although able to win last night, have been very inconsistent all year. So Toronto now is finding themselves with a well-rested team and half a game back of Washington for the tenth spot in the play-in tournament. Jeez. And I wouldn't, I'll tell you, I think that if Toronto can sneak into the play-in tournament and the 10 seed, obviously then their draft spot is already going to be solidified from what I understand from the way the NBA draft lottery system works. I would have no reservations about them being able to beat any team in the 7, 8, 9, or or they'll likely be the 10 seed in the play-in tournament. And then it would likely be a first-round dance with either Philadelphia or Brooklyn, which would likely be uh, five games in, uh, you're back on the plane, heading to Toronto or wherever these players' summer homes are. I would expect, because you don't have the firepower to play those guys, but it's been a hell of a turnaround, um, which brings me to my guy at the library bar, or one of mine, I'll I'll, uh, pick a pair here, uh, Freddie Gillespie, who basically signed his second... 10-day contract with the team over the weekend. Five blocks last night in the game. He's looked outstanding. He's an athletic big, former Big 12, most improved player of the year. He's really fit in nicely with the Toronto Raptors alongside Ken Birch, giving them both a more traditional five who's athletic, uh, understands how to impact the game both on the defense and the offensive end of the floor. And both have looked more effective than Aaron Baines this season, playing that spot for the Raptors. So, Congratulations to Gillespie on signing a second 10-day. I would expect that a contract for the rest of the season will be coming down the pipe for him in about a week's time once the second 10-day is over. And then hopefully they can uh, work something out in the offseason to bring him back. I think he could be a really effective player off the bench. Um, I'm also going to go with Danny Jansen. 
Jansen was touted as the catcher of the future for the Toronto Blue Jays, and he has just not been able to figure it out at the plate this year for this team, or last year for that matter. Um, I believe he's batting something to the tune of uh, .89, or, or uh, .089, I guess, this season, yeah, under yeah. 100 batting average. It's absolutely atrocious right now Doesn't it look like Jansen. a professional athlete, sorry to say. Like, I love my Jays. I watched the game start to finish yesterday, and it was nice to get a win at Fenway Park, but... Man, I agree. Yeah, he, he he would be at some sort of Dunedin library bar because it's just been atrocious. Same goes for Cavan Biggio. I mean, this is another guy who was supposed to have a another outstanding season, and he's looked lackluster, this say, to say the least. It's kind of difficult because without Springer in the lineup, it's like oh, you don't have your leadoff guy, and it's, it's just the, like the trickle down. Like people are batting in places that they aren't necessarily comfortable with. Yeah. Like people no, like true. Biggio in the leadoff spot, but... His advanced metrics show that when he bats off either to lead off an inning or bats off to lead off a game, its batting average drops significantly. Yeah. So even if you like his speed and you like his ability to get on base, whatever the hell it is, the numbers don't lie. And he's more comfortable in other places in the lineup. He was forced to lead off in the game yesterday due to them uh, Charlie Montoyo shuffling the deck. Montoyo. But it's been a disaster of a season for... Jansen in particular, uh, Biggio, they expect more, and it remains to be seen if these guys can grow into their roles. A lot of defensive faux pas as well from Biggio and Bichette, really making Vladdy's job difficult at first base. So it remains to be seen if they can figure it out for the rest of the year here, but it hasn't been an impressive stretch for the Blue Jays. Their only saving grace is that they're playing much better than the Yankees are right now. Absolutely. No, they, they certainly are. Maybe it's time to give Alejandro Kirk a shot in a full-time catcher role and if, and give Danny Jansen a rest. I love that Kirk, man. He's just a jubilant player and always seems to come up clutch when it counts. I mean, they had two on yesterday, and he got a liner into the right field gap. So he's a he's a sneaky player, and Montoyo has the ability to, like Keefe, shuffle the deck because it's such a young, competitive group. I want to throw in a, a tweet of the day quickly here, Kenny. This kind of uh, got me chuckling. It's from Richard McNutt. At cold cut sixty nine, <laughs> and he goes, uh, <laughs> he goes. Intern keeps calling me buddy. Might have to throw hands. <laughs> have you been in that situation before, where like the intern is just a little too confident on his first week on the job, and he's like, "Hey, I buddy, think that like, was probably me." That was you, yeah. Well, I mean, no, like it's good, like we're confident guys. It's good to kind of show like you're, you're here and you're you're present and you want to do well and ultimately get the job, but don't call a, an employee there, buddy. Like, know his name, figure it out, and be oh, respectful. Because I, I would hate that. I think I got that once in the newsroom a few times, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not gonna like lose it, but I'm like, what? Like, I don't, I don't like. It's Brendan or B Mac, but don't, don't use Buddy, especially with that guy over there because he's your manager. You know, yeah. like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it can be a little bit difficult to navigate, but. Yeah, so, I thought it was funny because I've been Mr. in that situation. What, what was what was the what was the account that was tweeted from? Yeah, I know a bit of a bit of a dicey account uh, at Cold Cuts with two Z's. 69. Cold cut Cold Cuts sixty nine does is not a big fan <laughs> of interns. No, no, he certainly is not. Uh, I'm gonna go for, with a tweet from Rachel Dory, uh, noted noted contributor in the hockey media industry. Uh, we'll have to actually extend an invitation to see if we can get her on the pod. Uh, basically, she was responding to Ryan Whitney's claim that Chelsea is basically pulling out of the Super League, which I'll bring up 
all that was going on with that in just a second here. Whitney says, that's my club, no surprise, London is blue, all class at Stamford Bridge. And Rachel points out, class would not even be entertaining the nonsense, see, PSG and Bayern. This is backpedaling, not class. So, yeah, it was basically Chelsea pulled out of the Super League after... What a they, disaster that was. Yeah, it was, well, it was a total disaster. But basically, Chelsea pulled out after they said that they were in. Um, they were one of the first teams to pull out. But notably, Bayern Munich, uh, Borussia Dortmund, and Paris Saint-Germain all said, no deal. We're not doing it. Like, yeah. We're not joining. This is a bad Good. idea. And we we support our, our players, our fans. They did have the benefit of um, they had the option to join after the announcement. So I think they sort of saw the PR nightmare it was becoming. It was like, we're not getting involved in this. But certainly the European teams, they're claiming that it's a class act. Uh, the English teams, rather. It's a class act for them to back out. It's like, you already joined. You already ready to. You already signed on the dotted line saying, this is uh, an idea that we want to be a part of. So you don't get to, like, whatever reasoning it was, whether it was fear that you were going to be left behind, whether it was, you know, the fact that you thought you were going to get more revenue, it's you You decided that this was going to be the best course of action for your club. So you don't get to call it a class act after you sign on the dotted line and then see the public backlash and sort of say, oh, like, this wasn't a good idea. Maybe we shouldn't be in on this deal. Yeah. Yikes. If that materialized, though, like, that would have just been a gong show. Like, just, it would have been like, you know, Warriors, Nets, you know, all like the, the, the top, power in the NBA yeah just teaming up it's like we're gonna do our own thing yeah. and you guys can just play in the uh the G League now as we'll call it because we're in the Super League like just a just a stupid move that it, never materialized lasted a week the whole thing lasted what a week we not even days yeah it was it was like three days I think before teams God. started pulling the plug and now it's like what the hell do you do with the teams that were gonna join it like yeah. what do you do with like all the all the English teams that were that signed? Like, do they just get to go compete in the Champions League again? Yeah. Like, oh we're yeah, back. yeah. Sorry. Back. Like, I think the Champions League probably has to let them in so they can still make money. Because at the end of the day, let's not kid ourselves. That's why these teams were trying to defect, and that's what these tournaments are supposed to do: is make everybody a lot of money. So I think you might have to let the English teams in, the top teams that tried to defect, but. Oh, man. It was a sticky situation there for a couple of days. It was, man. And apparently it was a a tough situation, even though it's routine, because everyone was freaking out about the weather yesterday. And I'm like, it's Canada. It's going to snow. might snow in May. And this happens. We were tweeting about this yesterday. Yeah. Three years I, I, ago. I, I was to bring this up before. Yeah, I was trekking to TSN, getting off the, uh, the LRT, and I literally should have brought skates. It was like a, an ice rink everywhere around McCown 401. And then a week later, it was spring, birds were chirping. But every social media platform, every post was just like, it's snowing. Like, what's happening? It's like, what do you mean? What's that? Like, this always happens. Like, just uh, move I, on with it. I get so frustrated with people who live in Ontario sometimes because it was total uproar, BMAC. I know. Everybody's so know. mad. And they're like, oh, no, it's snowing. Like, what? Like you ruined my birthday. I'm like, I'm like, yo, like, stop. Every year we get snowfall in April, and every year everybody reacts exactly the same, and it's infuriating. I know. Like, (laughs) yeah, it drives me insane. It drives me, like, more crazy than it should. 
seeing everybody's reaction, just like the universal reaction. Well, I could see why everybody's be, surprised. I could see why, like, you know, oh, it's a pandemic. You're trying to take your mind off of it. But it's every goddamn year. People it's are every year. Every year. It's every year. Aside. And everybody, oh, snowing. Everyone's up in arms. Like, it's just like, like ruin oh my God. day. I'm like, you live in Toronto. Yeah. You like, live relax. in Toronto. Just order we your get Uber snow. for the sixth night in a row. Like, you're yeah, nobody complains. Anyway. Nobody complains when you get snow in October. No. Isn't that like the equivalent? Like, we get that, too. Yeah, it's just... Oh, it ruined Halloween. It's like, well, maybe we should just trick-or-treat in September if you don't want snow. Yeah, like, what do you want? It's too cold for the parents anyways. They gotta wheel around at the Mickey of Jack Daniels to stay warm. Yeah, and a brown bag. Yeah, real, real classy. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and like a pillowcase <laughs> alongside yeah. with uh, all, the, all the candy. Yeah. All right. Hey, don't take too much candy, son. Get, get back here. <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode 41 of Leafs Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. We'll catch you next time.